Welcome, man. Good to see you guys. My name is Brandon Gwynn. I'm one of the pastors here, if we haven't had a chance to meet. But glad you guys joined us for this last week of a series we've been in called Citizen. We're talking about what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And, you know, depending on where you grow up, you, you know this. It's like, you know, wherever you grow up, uh, wherever, you know, you, you live for the formative years of your life, it usually informs kind of who you end up becoming, you know, the things that you care about, you think are important, your value system. But most importantly, you know, what teams you're a fan of. Uh, for example, if you are a citizen of Lubbock, you're probably a tech fan. A lot of times that's great, right? But sometimes, sometimes not so much. Uh, you know, if you're a, a citizen of Texas, you might be a Cowboys fan like I am. We all know how that's been going, right? They, they were good when I was 13, you know? And, and also, I've been a Spurs, a Spurs fan most of my life, which has been awesome, you know, since 99. They were amazing. Not so much anymore. They stink. So all this to say, you know, I'm, I'm considering selling these fandoms. You know, I can do you a, a three for one. I'll make you a good deal, you know? Uh, basically, I'm, I'm saving up to buy a Chiefs one. So those are... A little more. I appreciate the help on that. We've been in Galatians chapter five. Let's start there. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screen, but we also on our app have message notes, which is a really cool way to keep, uh, go along with the message. You can fill in the blanks. It's great. So Galatians chapter five says, if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Does this not sound familiar? Have you been on Facebook or Twitter lately? This is kind of the atmosphere that we find ourselves living in, where we're, we're biting, devouring, hurting each other. And then Philippians chapter one, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. We might be citizens of Lubbock or Texas or whatever, but first we're citizens of heaven before an affiliation with any political party or any other platform. We are citizens of heaven first. In fact, Clayton told us your heavenly citizenship informs your earthly citizenship. Anything we, we believe or get behind or any platform we take should go through the filter of our heavenly citizenship. And then finally, in John chapter one, the word became flesh. The word speaking of Jesus became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, grace and truth. We've been saying it over and over and over again, not either or, you know, in, in this, this world of either or and extremes, Jesus was both grace and truth, not some balance of the two. He was 100% grace, 100% truth. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. If you miss it, you can go back and look on our app and watch those messages. I would encourage you to do it because this has been content that frankly, I don't know if I've ever heard talked about in a church. It's been so incredibly helpful as we talked about what it means to be people of grace and people of truth. And today we're talking about being people of mission, people of mission. Now, I don't know what you think about when you picture someone being on a mission but when you're on a mission, it completely consumes you. Like, that, that's your life, right? I mean, you ever seen the movie Taken? 
with Liam Neeson. That man was on a mission and there was nothing that was going to stop him. And I found myself in a similar situation uh, in my life. And there was a time I was on a mission and there was nothing that was going to stop me. And it was this one time when these young punks kept ringing my doorbell and then running away. I think the technical term is ding dong ditchers. Like three times a week, they would ring my doorbell, run away. I don't know if you had this happen. You've probably had it happen once or twice, but not a continued pattern of ding dong ditching that went on for months. It was never the same night. It was never the same time. We had little kids sleeping. It was funny at first, and then they went too far. And so I, I chased them at one point. Uh, um, they were faster. They were really fast. I wasn't very fast. I, I went to extreme measures. We're talking thumbtacks on my doorbell. Uh, I, I set up a tripwire on my porch. I wish I were making this up. This is all true. Countless nights, countless hours, I sat in the corner of our, our porch behind these bushes, just waiting for them to show up. I don't know what I was going to do when they got there. Probably nothing, but I was ready. I even invited Mark over one time and we, we camped out and we had super soakers full of vinegar and we were going to douse these dudes, but they never showed up when I was waiting. So let's say, if you're out there, I will find you. I've developed a very particular set of, I'm just kidding. Okay, moving on from that. Being on mission. God is on a mission. From the, from the very beginning, before time began, the word was God, the word was with God. Jesus was there from the very beginning. He, he's been on a mission to bring us back to himself. It was his ultimate plan for redemption sending Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of man. This, this wasn't God's plan B, right? It, like when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, it wasn't like God was surprised by that. He wasn't like, well, there went that. I better come up with something else, right? In, in his wisdom and just his sovereignty, he knew that we would rebel. And from the beginning, he had a plan of redemption to bring people back to himself. Even before he made the world in Ephesians 1, it says, he chose us. He decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. He's still on that mission today. You're, you're here probably because he, at one point or another, you, you turned to him and realized he, he'd been pursuing you. He wants a relationship with us. But the craziest thing, the more, the more I study this, the craziest thing is he wants to accomplish this mission through you and through me. Second Corinthians chapter five. This is amazing. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconcile. Let's just stop right there. He's given us the task of reconciling people to him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So what? We are Christ's ambassadors. You've probably heard that before. God is making his appeal through us. 
We're his representatives. And the appeal that he's making to people that need him comes through us. And then the last one is the one that blows me away more than any other. We speak for Christ. This goes beyond, you know, you've heard about being his hands and feet. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. We speak for him. Wherever we go, we're his, we're his representatives. We've been given this message of reconciliation. We carry it, and it's our responsibility. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors. And I know we have a kind of a, an understanding of what an ambassador is, but I went ahead and defined it for us. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank, sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. Think about that. So if we're citizens of heaven before anywhere on earth, we're citizens of heaven first, we've been sent into the area that we are by God as his representative, almost like we're living in a foreign land, almost like we're, we're living in the world, but not of the world. Like we're in the spot that we're in representing God and carrying that message of reconciliation. It is our mission it's what we're put on earth to do. It's not just our mission. It's our primary mission. It's, it's priority one. This message of reconciliation. Acts chapter 20. This is Paul. He's nearing the end of, of his ministry, meaning he's about to be killed. And he knows it. He says, now I'm bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Can you imagine? But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And you might be like, yeah, but that's, that's Paul. Of course it was his life's mission to tell others about God, but we're on the same mission. And you have, you have Paul saying it, it's all nothing. Like my, my life is nothing if I'm not using it to share the good news about the grace of God, to introduce people to Jesus. I'm sure he had other interests. There are other causes that he, you know, cared for. He cared for a lot of different things, but his primary focus, the focus of his life was the ministry of the gospel. In fact, it should be our primary mission to introduce people to a person, the person of Jesus. Not a platform, not, not a certain political party or way of thinking or ideology. It's our primary mission to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we were put on this earth to do. But, you know, that's not to say we can't have other interests. We can't, you know, like get behind other causes. But, you know, when it comes to things that maybe we should get behind or put our efforts behind and, and, and represent to, you know, on social media or whatever, different causes to champion. How do we decide what to get behind? I, I think a good question to ask, like, before you commit to anything or post anything or lend your voice to a platform or have some debate with someone, 
Before you do any of that, ask yourself this question. Will this help reconcile people to God? That hurts a little bit, right? (laughs) But before you hit send, before you respond to a comment, before you get into that like 30 message back and forth thing, will this help reconcile people to God? Because if it won't, then don't. Don't, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't post it. Don't comment. Why? Because our primary mission is the gospel of reconciliation. So if I'm going to say anything that's going to pull away from that or, or derail that, that, that mission with the people around me, whether I know them that well or not, I shouldn't do it. Because why? Because it's sideways energy. It's a distraction. It's a diversion. It's a detour. It, it only hurts my primary mission. And why would I want to do that over something political? Remember, we talked about last week, we, we can have stances on things, but scripture should determine that stance. It comes through the filter of the word of God. And then we decide what we're going to take a stand on. And then, you know, there are some things that people think are political that are clearly matters of scripture. Uh, Clayton's talked about a lot of them recently, abortion, social justice, defending the oppressed, supporting the widow and the orphan, these kinds of things. But see, the problem is Christians get confused about the real reason that we're put on this earth. We go a lot of different directions. And, and, and the problem with that is we start fighting with each other. It dilutes our message. You know what? One of the last things that Jesus prayed for us, his followers, at the very end. Now let's just read it. John chapter 17. This is Jesus. He's with his disciples. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but what? For all who will ever believe in me, that's us. So it was so important that Jesus wanted to pray for us. He says, I pray that they will, what? Be nice, follow the rules. No, we'll be one. I pray that they will be one. Unity. Just as you and I are one, just as as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, May they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Come on. He's saying here, unity between believers is the way the world will know. Do you see unity when you look around between fellow believers? I don't see a lot of, like, no wonder people want nothing to do with our message. When we're biting, devouring each other every chance we get all because somebody backs this candidate, somebody backs this candidate, somebody supports this cause and that, and they're neglecting the others or whatever. And it creates all of this tension and just fighting and distraction. And the world looks at us and is like, I don't need that. Andy Stanley has this amazing quote, so convicting to me. 
Why would we allow ourselves as believers, as followers of Jesus, why would we allow ourselves to be divided by lesser kings and missions? Why? Our mission is eternal life and death consequences, eternal life and eternal death. And we allow ourselves to to be divided by lesser missions, lesser kings. When we're here to serve and bring people to the king of kings. The bottom line is we can disagree politically, which we're going to. That's fine. We should still be united missionally. This is, this is a difficult thing. I, I haven't done it well. It's hard to disagree passionately about certain things, but then still be united missionally. Why? Because our purpose is higher than politics. We are his ambassador. We speak for Christ. And it's our, our mission to bring people back to God, to, to tell them about the good news of the grace of God, that ministry of reconciliation. We get it so backwards. You know, Turning people back to God, that was Jesus' uh, primary mission. We know that. That's what he was put on this earth to do. But the thing is, when he came, like people, even once they kind of thought maybe this guy is the Messiah, they had a completely different understanding of what he was there to do. Like he, he had his purpose. He knew how it was all going to play out. But they were expecting something totally different. And they tried to pull him their direction all the time. Like they were expecting this this king to sit on this earthly throne and to conquer their enemies and deliver God's people from the occupying government. But that's not what he was here to do. He he had a much bigger mission, an eternal mission. Even John the Baptist who prepared the way, right? He baptized him. He saw the heavens open and the dove descend. And he heard the voice say, this is my son. John the Baptist was like, Maybe, maybe he's the Messiah. Like he, he wasn't even sure because it just wasn't what everyone expected. But Jesus stayed focused on what he was there to do. He said in Luke 19, the son of man came to seek and save the lost, period. I'm sure there are other things that he could have been doing or he cared about, but this was his primary mission. And he says to you and I, follow me. Follow me. Matthew 4. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was, he, you know, that, that was his instruction. Let's go. I'll show you how to fish for men. Followers are fishers. Followers are fishers. Another way to say that disciples, as you and I are, if you believe in, that Jesus died for your sin, you put your faith in him, you're, you're a Jesus follower, you're a disciple. Disciples make disciples. Followers are fishers. That's our our purpose. We're put on this earth to make disciples. So my question for you. Does your life reflect your title as ambassador? When you look at your life, your relationships, the the way you spend your time, your conversations with people. 
Have you been living like your job is to introduce people to Jesus? And you're like, okay, okay, come on. <laughs> That's easy for you to say, right? Because you may be like, Brandon, you're a pastor. So yes, it is your job to bring people to Jesus, right? It's literally my job. But listen, if I'm being honest, I've never been good at this. Like we, I grew up in church when they would talk about witnessing to your friends, like it would make me want to puke. Like I was terrified of it. And even, even after being years in the ministry, if I was in church and I had the pastor hat on, you know, I usually kind of knew what to say. I could kind of get through those conversations. I, I knew how to, to talk, you know, spiritually to someone and, and lead them toward Jesus. But the second I left, it was a different story. It's awkward. I didn't know, I didn't have all the right answers. I didn't go to seminary. And I had trouble navigating those conversations and maybe making an awkward turn into real things like spiritual things. I was terrible at it. And so I find myself in, in this place a couple of years ago. Some of you might know I was at a church called Experience Life for a long time. And when I decided to leave, I found myself as not a vocational pastor. I spent quite a bit of time doing construction work. I was laying floors and painting houses and renovating bathrooms and, and kitchens. And I, I kind of had this internal struggle with this new identity, right? Like I wasn't a worship leader anymore. I wasn't a pastor anymore. But then I realized, but I'm a disciple. And see, I'm a disciple no matter what my vocation is. It doesn't matter the title that I have. I'm still a follower of Jesus and I'm still a fisher of men. I'm still a disciple that's called to make disciples. And so I would find myself on these job sites encountering people that I never would have before. It was amazing. Plumbers and electricians and drywall guys or whatever. And God started to teach me, you know, your, your mission isn't just leading people in songs, right? We're, we're, we're followers of Jesus, disciples, ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of the gospel of reconciliation. And when I walk into that job site, whoever's house, and I've got that mission on my mind, it changes everything. It's amazing the doors that God would open up when I kept that mission on my mind. We've been talking about dinner with sinners, right? Jesus had dinner with sinners, but he wasn't afraid to call a sinner a sinner. Well, as we spend time with people, as you spend time with people in your life day to day, when you're at a dinner with a sinner, keep your vision on the mission. I was very proud of how good that rhymed. Clayton's better at it than me, but I did okay. When you're at dinner with a sinner, keep your, keep your vision on the mission. Remember why you're there. And this is what I started to realize as I spent time with friends in my life, maybe that were far from God or, or people that I cared about that I didn't know where they stood, where they believe or not. I don't know. Like those moments are critical. They're valuable. They're crucial. So I've always got to be on my mind on, on the mission and not standing there with my Bible waiting to present the Roman road necessarily, right? But living life with these guys, just looking for that crack of daylight, looking for that opportunity where I could step through that door. 
Whatever the conversation is, wherever you are, whatever's going on, keep your mind focused on the mission and just wait for an opportunity, man. I, I get that having spiritual conversations is scary. I, I just admitted that to you. It's intimidating. But you also don't have to have all the answers. You can also say, I don't know. But you'd be surprised at the words you can find if you simply have the obedience to open your mouth. Jesus, as the disciples were afraid of you know, being arrested and put on trial or whatever, they were worried about, like, what, what are we going to say? And he told them, don't, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. He said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And that's not to say we, we can't, there's not room for studying the Bible and learning more of the truth of God's word, because trust me, that helps. But the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. It's true, it's true for the disciples. It's true for you. You'd be amazed. And you'd be amazed if you just listen. They'll start the conversation for you. So I want you to think for a second of the people in your life, people that you love, you care about. People, we call it your oikos, right? Like it's a Greek word that just talks about the people that you're around the most. So your, your friends and your family, people you work with, maybe a neighbor. Who needs Jesus? Who needs what you have? Who, when you think about eternity and the fact that when this life is over, it's over, you, you don't get another chance. And when you think about this person spending eternity separated from God, An eternal torment that breaks your heart. You have that panic. That you, you don't even want to let your mind go there, but let it go there. Who comes to mind? I know we, we all probably have a name. Who comes to mind? Who can you start to be intentional with? Who can you start to, to have that mission on your mind every second that you're around those people just waiting for an opportunity for their heart to open up to you? And yes, we're, we're called to be disciple makers. We're, we're called to share Jesus with people, share your story with people. That's the reason you have a story, right? But the very least we could do, I mean, as ambassadors carrying this message, speaking for Christ, the very least we can do, the easiest thing would be to invite someone to church. So, so what about that step? Like, let's just talk in terms of baby steps today. Who can you invite? Maybe you've tried before. Maybe you gave up. Maybe it's time to try again. And it's a perfect time. Next week, we start a new series called Tombstone. And this, it's going to be awesome. I mean, whether they are believers or maybe you're not sure, they could be an atheist, this is going to be helpful to them. We're going to be talking about how it's about death, about how it's wise to think about death and what you want people to say after you die. What, did you, what do you want your life to reflect? What, what do you want written on your tombstone? And we're, we're talking about how we need to start living with the end in mind to kind of see that future that we want for ourselves it's going to be a great series for somebody that has never been before. Who can you invite? You already have a couple names in your head. All right, that's hurdle one, <laughs> right? 
The second obstacle, what are you going to say? I'm glad you asked. I have a sample text for you. Here it is. Hey, dude. Hey, girl. Whatever. I don't know. Sound like you, right? Don't, don't be weird. And don't do this slash thing. Pick one. But seriously, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to take out your phone. You already have a name in your head. Let, let's, let's act on it. Time is of the essence. I'm going to give you time to text this to somebody. We, we can sit here and wait for a second. Our church is starting a new series this week, next week. It sounds like it'll be exactly what I need. Would you want to come sit with me? We could do lunch after. Let me know. No one's going to be mad at that. They might say no. But send it to someone. Text them. Reach out. Invite them. You never know what God will do. And then you, you're, you, you listen to this content that... I'm telling you, everyone is going to be like, man, that, I needed that. Man, that's going, to, that's going to change some things. You sit over lunch, you talk about some of that stuff. You never know what God's going to do. You never know. You know, as we close this series, I want to look at the words of, of Paul to Titus. Titus was one of Paul's followers, his disciples, and he was giving them, giving him this message to give to the believers. So it's, it's a message for us as followers of Jesus. I think it's a great way to kind of button things up. Titus three. So remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers they should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone, must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle, show true humility to who? Everyone. Even the jerks, even the people trying to pick fights. Don't quarrel, be gentle, show true humility to everyone. Why? He, he tells us why here. Once, we too were foolish, disobedient. We were misled. We had become slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, but, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, or because of his, but because of his mercy. He, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, not because we believe the right things or we're better than someone else, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. He gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. As we think about how we wanna be, how we wanna treat people, you got to start with remembering what Jesus did for us. You got to remember how far you've come, what he's brought you out of. And, and maybe you're here, you don't have a relationship with God. That's step one. You need to experience the grace of God. As we, as we plead, come back to God. He's been pursuing you. He's been on a mission. Turn to him. Just admit, you know, I'm broken. 
There's, I have sin in my life. I know I can't have a relationship with a, a holy God. And so so you're, you're bowing your knee in humility and recognizing Jesus' sacrifice as he lived this life that was perfect. He died a criminal's death. He, he became our sin. Like he put it all on himself. He died. He rose from the dead. Now we have that opportunity that he's just like, free gift of salvation, reconciliation, eternal life with him. Just put your faith in what he did for you on the cross, start a relationship with him. And you then have the spirit of God living in you. You become his ambassador. And you can share with everyone else what he's done for you. A lot of us, we've forgotten what he did for us. You know, the flame kind of dies down. We get comfortable. Kind of get lukewarm. We have to remember whenever we're out there, whatever we're doing, whatever causes that we're taking up, as we're, we're navigating just this hateful, venomous landscape that we all live in. We have to remember what Jesus did for us, where he found us, how far he's brought us, how much love and mercy he, he showered us with, and then we have to do the same for others. We, we do for others because he did for us. We have to be gentle and courteous, ready to do good works, and tell people of the hope we have in Jesus with gentleness and respect. Why? Because that's our mission, because we want to see lives change. We want to see people turn back to God because that's what he did for us. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. I was stupid and foolish. And he was patient with me when I rebel and I run from him. He's gracious. We should do the same for others, not just those who look like us or act like us or believe like us, but maybe especially for those who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who believe differently. It's totally contrary to culture, the culture that we live in. But guess what? We don't, we don't take our cues from culture. We take our cue from the king and from the example of Jesus who became flesh, like not half man, half God, hybrid, all God, all man. He came and he moved in. He, he walked with us and talked with us. He, he became flesh. He went through the same stuff that we he was perfect in every way, but he was despised and mistreated, misunderstood, falsely accused, ultimately put to death. But he never dumbed down the truth and he never turned down the grace. He was both and. And if we could figure this out, this tension, that we, we can never do it perfectly because we're still broken people if we could figure out how to live in grace and truth, it will change you. But more importantly, it could change people around you. Remember, your, your, your primary mission is to plead with those that you love, come back to God. You are his ambassador. He's put you where you are for a specific purpose. And if you don't go, if you don't show them the love of Jesus, who 
will. I think a fitting way to kind of wrap all this up, we're going to sing here in a minute, is to take the Lord's Supper together. You know, after Jesus prayed for unity for us, he was looking down the road of what was coming to him. He was about to be arrested and beaten. Let's go through unspeakable pain. He reminded us to remember what's about to happen. You have cups in the, the pew in front of you. I know they're not great. It's the best we can do for COVID reasons, but it's a great reminder, right? When he said to take this bread and the disciples had no idea what he was talking about, but they would eventually. He said, take this bread and eat it. Remember, this is my body that's broken for you. Then they took the cup. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Never forget because as humans, we forget the, the, the shine kind of wears off. We kind of take things for granted, but don't forget today. Remember what he's done for you and be grateful and thankful. Just a, a heart of humility and gratitude for God. During the song, whenever you feel led, I want you just to just have a moment with God where you're thanking him. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for how far you've brought me, what you've forgiven me for, what you're doing in my life. And when you're ready, you can take the, the, the bread and the cup just be grateful. And then we sing just about the goodness of God and, and what he's done for us and how we should respond in the way we live. Just ask him, what, is, what does all this mean for me? What, what are you asking me to do? What are you leading me towards? And just commit today. You know what? I'm, I'm admitting I'm, I'm here for you. I speak for you. I'm your ambassador. This is my, my primary mission. I haven't lived like it maybe in the past, but, but today, God, give me what I need to do. I don't want to be just a hearer of the word. I want, to, I want to be a doer. How do I need to change? I want to live as though it's my job to tell others about you. And I want to do a good job. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. <laughs> and we, we are not good at this. Very, very few are. But Father, we, we admit that and we, we want to we want to do better. We, you've shown us what's, what's ideal and what's possible. God, we want to strive for that. We don't want to just waste the life that you've given us on stuff that's of the world and that's just going to eventually die and disintegrate and pass away. We, we want to set our, our mind and our, our thoughts and our sights on eternal matters, God, that, that we're here to speak for you and to plead with people that we love, come back to God, not just with our words, but with the way that we love people, the way that we love each other. God, if we need to turn down the, the, just the hostility and negativity, convict us of that. Maybe we need to apologize to some people. But God, we want to be on mission with you, people of grace, people of truth, and people of mission. That's who you've called us to be, God, and that's who we want to commit to be. And it's all because of what you've done for us. Father, we are eternally grateful and thankful and humbled by your love. In your name, amen.